All right, back to podcast, and I hope everyone's had a good week. I'm thankful, thankful for the blessings of God, and they were numerous, numerous, and I, um, I'm not worthy of them, and uh, none of us are. I was just uh, had some fellowship this morning, and the Lord just works things out. Uh, Was testing the heat out. And uh, wasn't doing right, so Brother Wayne come out, and um, just just a dear brother in the Lord that you can have sweet fellowship with, and um, I thank God for that. I thank God for being able to talk about God and His goodness and His mercy, and and what He does for us, and I'm just not worthy, and He's blessed my life. Uh, with with the pastorate, the the opportunity to preach and pastor and do the work of God for Him, for my family and uh, those in my life, relationships, friendships. Um, God's just been so good to me. The business, I, I I'm not worthy of, of one blessing, much less all that He's given me. But. Um, I remember my, telling my son not long ago that to look around because my entire life, I mean my entire life, can be attributed to answer prayer, everything. And I've told you all this before. I uh, annually, sometimes more than that, sometimes semi-annually, but um, yeah, at least annually, I write down what, not goals necessarily. I do write down individual goals. But I'll write down prayer requests. And for years now, for years, and I'm I'm talking, I've been, it's ever since I started the practice, probably six or seven years ago, I've watched him one by one answer those prayer requests and um, that's just attributed to a good God nothing about me um, do pray for a potential building site I hope to be able to meet uh, brother Robert Harrington this week uh, at the, the location and just just take a look at it so do remember that and now now we are getting into Ephesians Six. Do remember Sunday services. Um, I made mention a a about a. I made mention of a, a message out of Romans eight, and the Lord has had it on my heart all week. And on Sunday we'll be preaching from Romans eight, and so I want you to be there in your place, faithful, and. Um, I just pray that God help us and bless us in so many ways. Do remember Miss Ronnie's mother, Brenda. Uh, she had had a fall, which is why she wasn't there on Sunday. And uh, just ask that God take care of her. Lord willing, we'll be starting up a uh, weekly Bible study, at least for the month of October, uh, beginning next week. And try to put a dent here in the book of Genesis so do remember these things. All right, Ephesians 5. Do you remember when we started the, the Ephesians lessons? 
I told you that we would spend the early portions talking about the spirit-filled life, talking about um, the importance of it, what it means, what we have in salvation, what our salvation is, on, on and on of the Lord's blessings to us. That that was the early portion of Ephesians. But now we we transition into the latter portion. And if you recall, when we started this this series, this this uh, traits through uh, Ephesians, I said that the the latter or the earlier portion of Ephesians would hinge on the latter portions. So in the earlier portions, you get all of the the promises of what we have in God. Uh, what what God has blessed us with and, and so forth. And then we get into these latter portions, and as we do, we are uh, we are giving given commands on how we are to live. And the key of, key to that is we can't some of these are so, I, I don't like the word difficult. Some of these are so unnatural to our lives as human beings in the flesh that the only way we can do these is to be filled with the Spirit. So Paul spends the first half of this, this particular book, the letter to the Ephesians, on the spiritual life. And he does so because when we get into the latter half of the book of Ephesians, he gets into the practical life and we learn very quickly that you can't live this practical life if you're not uh, where you need to be in the spiritual life. So that's the importance of it. So we'll go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter number 5. And as we do... Uh, we start in verse number 1, and there's kind of an analogy made immediately. Notice what Paul says, Be ye followers of God as dear children. So, he makes the analogy that we're children. So, th- this is beautiful. We're, we're going to see and do a lot of talk concerning being a child of God. When do we become a child of God? We become a child of God at salvation. You do not become a child of God. You're not born a child of God. You're born a child of Adam. You're born a child of the flesh. The Bible is very, very clear in in teaching us that. We become a child of God when we're saved. Now, that's important because one, and, and you're going to hear this a, a good bit, but one is is made a part of a family through either birth, okay, we have a new birth, as well as adoption. Well, God uses both to teach us the relationship that we have with him after our salvation, birth and adoption, a new birth and adopted sons. So he says here, be ye therefore followers of God. <clears throat> so we are to follow him as dear children. Now, how did your children follow you? How did your children follow you when they were little? 
when they were young, how, how did your children fight? They followed you as someone they looked up to, someone they admired, someone that they emulated from, someone that they patterned themselves after. All of my children, especially my son, but all of them, I can hear them talk. I can see their mannerisms, the decisions they make, the belief systems and principles that they have. And I think, God, you you did that. That's that's me. You you give me another me. And I that that's that's what we are to be. And here's the thing: it's natural to him. It's natural to to Sadie to Haley. It's natural. Because they've spent so much time with me, they've learned from me, that it's they don't even have to try. It's just their nature to be like their dad. Now, having said that, the analogy given here is to be followers of God as dear children. Just as... There comes a point in a child's life when we're, we don't have to try to be like our parents. There ought to come a time as we mature in the grace of God that it's just natural. It's just our nature to be like God and to be more godly. So that's that's what Paul's driving at. That's how he opens this chapter that's how he begins to open this dialogue because there's going to be some very uh, weighty things, weighty issues that he's going to deal with. He's, he's actually uh, going to be dealing with uh, relationships shortly, you know, our lives with people. He's going to be dealing with so many things that that we have to have him in his power to be able to do so. So now he says, the next verse, walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. Now, what does that mean? Because I know love is a is an often used and often misused term. Love is is often thought that it's compromised, that it's uh, that it's uh, some kind of feeling or emotion. But do you remember what I said that the Bible defines love for us? It does so in John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Ephesians 5, 25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ hath loved the church and gave himself for it. And then Galatians 6.14, I believe it is, maybe 2.20, this life that I now live in the flesh, that's 2.20, this life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, what, what are you getting at, preacher? Here's what I'm getting at. The Bible defines love as giving. The Bible defines love as giving, not as in taking, not as in what you obtain, not in a feeling, but what you give. Okay? So, 
understand that. I'm crucified. Yeah, that's 220. Love me and gave himself for me. So, love is defined in the New Testament by giving. Giving of what you have, what you are, giving your 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 efforts, giving your life, giving as as your nature. That's that's how the Bible defines in terms love. Not in a feeling, not in emotion, but what you give. So look at this. Walk in love. Walk as a giver. Become as a giver. As Christ also hath loved us, Christ give to us. And there you go. And hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So the Bible defines love as giving of oneself. That's it. That's it. So I don't want to hear about love when you're not giving a part or yourself to another person or to a cause or to the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't you don't I hear people say all the time I love Jesus and they 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 don't even attend church. They won't even worship him. They won't they won't give to him. They won't give it their their hearts, their lives. They they won't give their bodies to him. Love is defined by giving, not a feeling, not an emotion. So giving himself for us an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet smell and savor. Verse 3, but fornication, okay, that's sexual promiscuity within or without the bonds or the bonds of marriage. So uh, adultery is defined as is um, breaking the marriage vow um, physically, sexually. Fornication is a broader scope can happen within and without because it's the, the, the broadest sense of the definition is promiscuity and or looseness or just being a whoremonger, as the Bible says. And so I know there's a group that says fornication is, is defined as uh, relations outside of the marriage bond, but there's times when the Bible refers to those that are married and and fornication. So what that teaches, and in, in the purest definition of fornica- fornication is sexual looseness, sexual promiscuity, and so what that means is it can be either within the bond, within the bonds of marriage, without the bonds of marriage, uh, an extremely loose, immoral uh, lifestyle physically. Okay. So, fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness. So, the Bible puts covetousness right there with fornication. Let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. So, it shouldn't you shouldn't be identified as being as such. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking. So, you say, all right, I'm running pretty good. No fornication or uncleanness. I don't covet too bad, but we do. We see things we just have to have. That's covetousness. Let it not be once named among you as become a saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking. Okay, now we're getting in some other stuff. Speaking foolish things, saying things out of place, saying things that 
that don't need to be said, talking uh, in a manner that, or saying things that just shouldn't be discussed, shouldn't be talked about, should speaking about somebody, a gossip, a slander, foolish talking. Okay, lump right there with it. So neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting. Okay, that that means to uh, kind of off put, just to say being a smart aleck towards somebody in a hurtful way. Now, I love to joke. I love to pick around. Jesus did. Jesus was a, Jesus had a great personality. Um, and, and Christians should be the happiest people having a good time. But to jest means, you know, court jester was a, was a clown, was just a fool. And would often uh, attribute or attempt to, to say things hurtful to people in that regard. So, that, that's sin, which are not convenient, <clears throat> okay? Not convenient, not, in other words, not becoming, uh, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So that's pretty plain. Pretty plain right there. They can say what they want to say, but the Bible's pretty plain in saying who is identified as being someone in the kingdom of Christ and God and who isn't. Uh, Let no man deceive you, verse 6, with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. So don't let anyone deceive you. Don't let Joel Osteen tell you it's okay. Don't let the preacher down the road tell you it's okay. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. That is how you know a preacher that won't tell you the truth does not love you. They are deceiving you and they're not warning you that the wrath of God is coming for disobedience. The preachers in my life that have loved me the most were the ones that warned me. Never look at someone that is trying to warn you, trying to prevent you from getting in a bad place to where the wrath of God will fall upon you. Never look at them as your enemy. Never. And it doesn't have to be a preacher. It could be a friend that lovingly goes to you and says, you know, I don't know that this is right in your life. I don't know that this situation you should be in or, or you know, what have you. And you, you get angry at that. And our flesh does. But the Bible says that's true love because otherwise it's deceit. So let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now you are the children of light, and the Lord walk as children of light. So you were in darkness, now you're in light, you should walk like it. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. So fellowship means to walk hand in hand, to walk with, to be going in the same direction. And the Bible's pretty clear. We're not to walk and to have fellowship with darkness. Okay? 
I know you have friends. I know you have family members. You've got to love them. Um, uh, You've got to love them. You've got to try to witness to them. You've got to be an influence. But the fact of the matter is you you don't have a hand-in-hand fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Verse 12, for it is a shame to even speak of those things which are done of them in secret. So some things, you know, that's that's what, that's, let me, let me stop and teach and preach that for a minute. You know, there were, growing up, and I'm, for me, so I know for a lot of you that are older than I am, growing up, there were some things you didn't talk about, Okay. There were some things that were not spoken about. Now, I know today, I know in 2022, everything is about being real and, and speaking my mind and telling it like it is and and just just on and on, all of this, this foolish talk, this jesting talk. And what's happened is we've lost our shamefacedness to be... A shamefaced means that there were things that, listen, we're, we're America and our generation is, is basically a bride that's, that won't blush. You know, you, you've heard years ago, there was a, a phrase called a blushing bride. And it's because she was on, the, on her wedding night was becoming, getting exposed to a wonderful, wonderful portion of life that she had never been exposed to before. But having having understood that, she blushed in, in a shamefacedness. Not because it was wrong, just because it was something that she had not been exposed to. All right? We've lost the ability to blush. Because everything is before us. Everything. I remember when R-rated stuff was <clears throat> was forbidden to, and it was relegated to a, a cable television program. And then, you know, you, the, I, I remember as a little boy trying to flip over on the cable box and looking at stuff I shouldn't look at through the through the lines on the TV, you know, because you didn't have that channel. What I'm saying is now you can go right to a Netflix, right to a, an Amazon Prime or something like and see and hear far worse than what was even being blocked out back then and, and at an early age. The Internet, I remember when when phones come out, and I have one, and I, I use I use it. I, I use I use it for, for my news purposes. I use it for... Uh, recording. I'm recording this service, this message on it. We we do every week. I've got my Bible apps on here. Instead of me carrying a big thick concordance around, I type in a word search. Boom. There's my verse. So I've got one. Alright. But I remember when phones first came out with internet capabilities. Me and preacher John Melton were talking and he's still pastoring up in, up in China Grove. And he was, he's much older than I, he's pushing 80, he's my mentor in the faith, and this would have been in 2005, maybe, 2003, somewhere in there. Cell phones really started 
transitioning. I, I don't know what year the iPhone come out. I had a flip phone until probably 2010. And, um, and I remember when the internet come out on, on phones and when kids would come to youth camp, they couldn't have their phones for the week. And we would take, and some of those kids, I mean, were crying, were, were physically and emotionally upset for having to part from their phone. And that was in 2006, 2005. Now, you imagine this, the situation now. Now, having said all that, he and I got in a discussion. And as an older man of God at the time, he began to really talk to me. He knew more about it than I did. I, I didn't know anything about this, what was coming on board with the Internet on the phones. I had no idea. And I remember him talking about his concern with a, with a kid having the internet on his phone so he could sit in class, he could sit in church, he could sit at home, because anywhere he was that he had that, that phone in his hand, he could feed his flesh and be exposed to, to things that in our day were completely unimaginable. Now I, I, I've, I know exactly what he was talking about. Then I, he, he had, had been around it more than me. I was pastoring up in the mountains. Man, we, we all had flip phones. But he was down here, and it was starting to spread. And so he had more knowledge of it at the time than I did of what was going on. Now here we are 20 years later, 15 years later, and I'm telling you what the preacher said was true. And now we've got children that have seen, we've got young kids that have seen and been exposed to things that... Adults themselves used to never get exposed to in their entire lifetimes. Now they're being exposed to things before they're eight, nine years old, some of them. Now, folks, what that goes back to is what, what we're reading here in Ephesians chapter 5. The Bible says here, Ephesians 5, verse 12, For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. And the things that are rampant in our society used to not even get spoken about. It was a shame to even speak about them. You remember those days? I miss those days. I miss those days. America misses those days. All right, back to the Bible. Ephesians 5.13, But all things are reproved or made manifest by the light. So anything that's reproved is made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. So to walk circumspectly means to walk carefully in this world, not as a fool, but as a wise person. That's how we should walk and live in this Christian life. Redeeming the time. That means to, to buy the time back, to make the most of the time. We've been given an allotted amount of time. We are to redeem the time. Why? Why? Because the days are evil. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. 
Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Guess what? You can know what the will of the Lord is. I've heard people say, oh, you can't never know what the will of the Lord is. Just pray that God reveal his will. Well, you can know it. You can know it. You know it from the word of God. You can know the will of God. And be not drunk with wine, whereas in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So there is the command against drunkenness. There you go. You wanted to know where it's at? You know where it's at. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. We'll do an entire study on that sometime. Right now we're, we're moving through Ephesians, but... First of all, be not drunk with wine. There's, there's the command. That's not an option. That's not a suggestion. That is a command. But then he says, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Now, notice it. There you go. There's the command. So in four, four chapters, he's spent telling us about a spiritual life. Now he's telling us practically about a life that we are supposed to live as Christians and he makes it very clear, you can't live this life unless you're filled with the Spirit. Not in this flesh. You can't live the life that God wants you to live properly without being filled with the Spirit of God. So that, that hinges on that. So, let's talk about that. He makes an analogy. Okay, He makes an analogy here of a drunk man and being filled with the Spirit. So let's let's talk about that. Some maybe have, have been drunk or, or been around drunks, but you know, a, a drunk person will will feel much freer to talk. Um will their inhibitions will be removed. They they'll give they'll give Every dime in their pocket. I mean, how many stories do you know of drunks coming home broke? Give and give and give. And the analogy would be for the Christian, we should have our, when we're filled with the Spirit, our inhibitions to speak of Christ, to live for God, should be removed. And we should be willing to give any and everything to God. Jesus Christ and the cause of Christ. Okay? Be not drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So a psalm, of course, is that a Bible or scripture that is to be sung. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. Um and and so ver, Bible verses that you literally sing, that's a psalm. Then a hymn, of course, we sing hymns on, on Sunday mornings. And a, a hymn is about him. A hymn is a gospel, is a, is a message uh, about, or a song with the message of the Christian life in it. And then, of course, uh, spiritual songs, or, or, it's be, or speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And the spiritual songs are... Songs that tune into your spirit, songs that awaken your spirit, alive in your spirit, and uh, singing and songs have great power and influence upon us. 
And so the Word of God tells us to ensure that we speak to ourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Um, and then the Bible says here, speaking to, or verse number 20, giving thanks always, uh, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So as we sing, now look at this. This is tied in together, tied in with speaking to your song, self, selves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Tied in with that should be giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? So we are to speak to one another in a spirit of thankfulness, sing with the spirit of thankfulness, live with the spirit of thankfulness. I'm going to tell you, and, and I, I'm closing. We're, we're def, this is going to be another two-parter. We'll, we'll go in verse 21 through 33 next time for Sunday night, which is so good. It gets into husbands, wives, children, women, uh, you, men, you name it. It's just so good. Now, having said that, we all have a shortcoming or, or, or a problem issue, problem issue, if you please. We all have things that need to be worked on, improved upon, and so forth. I'll tell you mine. One of mine is this. Sometimes, if I'm not careful, I can have a problem with thankfulness as I need. To. Not that I'm not appreciative and thankful of what God is doing for me, but just that I don't slow down, take the time to ensure that I'm thankful. And there's been a lot of times when things haven't been as I wanted them to be in my life. And I've had to slow down, stop, get really, get a hold of God, hear God talk to me. And the key that I was missing was a spirit of thankfulness. So God is telling us here that the key to our spiritual walk, the key to our spiritual lives is thankfulness. And, and that's, that's how we should live. We should live with that spirit of thankfulness in our walk with God. And that's, that's the key to answer prayer. That's the key to walking in victory. That's the key to living in victory is a is a spirit of thankfulness. Now here here's two things about a person filled with the spirit walking with God. Number 1, they're a forgiving person. Number 2, they're a thankful person. That's just that's just the the hallmarks of a of a child of God, of a Christian, of a spirit-filled Christian. They are forgiving and they are thankful. All right, this has been Ephesians chapter 5, part 1, verses 1 through 20. As we get into the next lesson on Sunday night, we will be in Ephesians 5, verses 21 through 33. Have a great week. I love each of you.
and be in your place on Sunday morning.